is the Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast. And uh, this is, uh, I am super happy to uh, have on with me today, uh, Carrie Byron, um, as my guest. And we had a great time talking. Uh, It was, uh, you know, uh, she's been a friend for a good number of years now. And uh, I've known her in, in just that capacity as a friend. And um, it's interesting to, to learn more shit about your friends. And, and uh, so it was a fun conversation. Um, and uh, if you enjoyed it, hopefully you did, uh, or, or hopefully you do. And you can support the podcast by uh, coming and getting tattooed by me uh, at Black Dagger Tattoo in uh, Vacaville. I will be there. This uh, this will air uh, hopefully Wednesday morning. Um, so I'll be there Wednesday afternoon, uh, Tuesday. Let's see, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'll be there um, pretty much noon to 8 or whenever the last tattoo is done. So come on out, get tattooed. I have... Uh, DVDs available through some tattoo supply companies um, that I've mentioned on other podcasts, uh, Kingpin being one of them, Morali, Aid, Bickney, and TattooFlashbooks.com. Um, uh, also, I have a poster available. I'm going to do 25 high-quality prints uh, uh, by Jay Foran out in New York um, of uh, This Is A Gun. They're 16 by 20. Uh, you can find uh, that on Instagram at OG Joe Swanson. Um, go check that out. You can also follow me on Twitter at OG Joe Swanson. Um, what else? Shit. Uh, you can fucking go and subscribe and uh, to the podcast. Tell your fucking friends. Um, and uh, comment, rate, and review that shit if you like it. Uh, so, anyways, I appreciate it all very much. And, uh, you know... Again, it was super fun talking to Carrie, and without uh, any further interruption, interruptions, this is uh, the Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast uh, with my guest, Carrie Byron. Hello, everyone. This is uh, Joe Swanson, and this is the uh, Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast. And I am absolutely uh, pleased to consider uh, artist, San Francisco-based artist, Paul Urick, my best friend. And through that friendship and relationship, I have become friends with his wife, uh, IDS member and artist, Carrie Byron. How are you, Carrie? <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm honored to be part of IDS. Yeah, it's amazing. So, what's uh, what's happening over there in San Francisco tonight? Well, tonight it's quiet because mommy time starts about now. Kid goes to bed, glass of red wine, and I'm down in my studio right now. That's amazing. It sounds good. Now, um, one of the uh, benefits of being uh, friends with Paul is I also know that... Uh, and this is a kind of a tattoo, loosely based tattoo, kind of art centric podcast. So I know that you have a tattoo and uh, where you had gotten a tattoo and you got it covered up. And I'm, <laughs> I'm dying to hear this story because I've been uh, I've been talking to Paul a little bit about it. Well, uh, as most people in their youth, think they will never get tired of a tattoo. 
Yes, 18-year-old Carrie thought that if I got two fairies that were making out so that it was one butterfly, I would never get tired of it. There, I, had, I drew a picture of it. I brought it down to Venice Beach um, <laughs> with one of my friends who was a musician and walked into the first tattoo place we could find and, you know, sat down for some quality work. Wow. That's... Was, uh, couple years before my husband finally I, I looked and was like I have to admit I hate this this <laughs> tattoo was awful and he's just looked at me and said thank goodness I have always hated that we have got to get it covered up I was like wait, wait it's been years and you're telling me now you've always hated it because it, it's, it's just pretty- been it's just been this harbored feeling for all these years yeah. I mean, it was it was something. I think the guy drew it up in like twenty minutes, and I know he rolled his eyes. And I was just some goofy, you know, alternate chick walking into a tattoo, sh- going, "I've got this great idea for fairies." He was yeah. probably laughing the whole time. Oh, sure. He was just he was loving taking your money, and just you know, he knew you were just on the quest for a dream, you know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, it's much better now. Uh, luckily, I I drew Paul know henry lewis and he did this amazing cover-up work with some beautiful orchids and you'd never have any clue that i had my goofy butterfly tattoo underneath that yeah yeah i i visited uh, i was visiting henry just uh uh two days ago and he was doing he was covering up a fucking tribal armband you know a legit 1990s tribal armband and it was a beautiful like purple koi that he was putting over it and that guy's amazing talent. He's definitely an artist. Yeah, yeah, in, in many ways, in in many ways. So, um, and so are you. I mean, you uh, in doing a little bit of research. I mean, I know you through Paul, and and we're friends. Uh, you know, I didn't know, I didn't really know who you were before I met Paul, and I. It's interesting to me to think about that now, um, because I know who you are, and. and you know, what you've accomplished in both TV and, and other media. And it's, um, it's interesting to me to think that I, you know, I just consider you a friend and, um, you know, so I was doing some research for, for the podcast. I wanted to come prepared and to talk to you. And I saw some sculptures that you had done, uh, back. I think you told me that they were maybe 2005 or 2006, and they were amazing, <laughs> just absolutely mind blowing. I I had no idea that you had uh, that kind of talent, and you had uh, come to San Francisco to pursue that. Is that correct? Well, uh, San Francisco is it always just held some beauty and mystery to me since I I grew up just outside of here, and um, you know, it's the big, cool city and I've traveled all around the world and I've always just wanted to come back here. It's, it's my, it's my home, but, um, I wanted to be an artist and I couldn't figure out what medium to be an artist in because I am a pretty mediocre painter and my poetry is horrendous and (laughs) I can't act. The only, I I just kind of came upon sculpture. It turns out uh, the way that I can, um, express myself is in three dimensions and it's a lot easier for me what some people might sketch to just like bang out a little sculpture and do it in 3d that's that's the way my mind works spatially 
So um, I had, you know, put myself through school with a couple jobs. And, you know, one of those jobs after school was uh, as a receptionist. And I didn't have a lot to do since I was pretty much like a second tiered receptionist. I had, there was no reason for me to be there. I barely answered the phone. So I sat at my desk and made these little sculptures. And I just really enjoyed doing that. And I wanted to figure out a way to make this a career beyond starving artists because I couldn't sell a sculpture to save my life. People just don't really look for creepy little doll sculptures. Where, where were you, where were you trying to, who would you try to sell? Like you, you, so you're sitting there behind the desk and you're making these little sculptures and you're, you know, you're thinking, damn, I, I really wish I could do this for a living. Who then do you turn around and try to sell to the people that were kind of in the building or, no, no, I took the regular San Francisco dirty artists, sort of small galleries, um, auctions, uh, nice. that would have parties where, you know, you'd put your stuff up in a bar or, you know, 111 Minute actually gave me a show, which was awesome. But it just, you know, places like that, I, I, I tried, but I, I wasn't very commercially successful. But um, what I did was... A friend of mine was taking a sculpture class over at M5 Industries, which is now the home of Mythbusters. And at that point, uh, he mentioned to me that maybe my sculpturing skills might be more applicable in um, special effects, which I always wanted to do. Ever since I saw the making of Thriller, I (laughs) thought that would be the best job ever to make zombies or do some sort of, you know, model making or, or, you know, something sculptural. So I put together a really amateurish uh, portfolio and I went down to M5 and I showed it to Jamie Heineman, who um, you've seen Mythbusters. He's the gentleman Mm. in the beret and he owns M5 Industries. And he looked through it and he doesn't roll his eyes, but if he if he could, he would have. He got all the way through it and at the very end goes, ah, maybe we could do something with that. But I was free labor. So he hired me, sort of. Uh, I, I did an internship. Um, you know, I was just going to work for free and learn. And right. not a lot of girls around there. I was pretty much the only one. So I, I think I had a little bit of an advantage that I think maybe they just kind of wanted some female energy around the shop. And it turned out my very, very first day as an intern trying to get into prop making and special effects was also the first day that Mythbusters started filming. So I, you know, right place at the right time. Shop monkey. I was, you know, doing runs for them and and cleaning up the shop and slowly started ending up getting on camera. And the, you know, I got to do a lot of really cool toy prototyping. But before I knew it, I tripped and fell into being a TV host and the sculpture became a hobby. That's crazy. It's a wild ride. I, I had no idea I would end up here, and I still love doing all my creepy little sculptures. I just don't show them or sell them quite so much unless it's under a pin name. Sure, sure, yeah. It's, uh, but you're still, you know, what I think is amazing is, you know, that that love of sculpture is what led you down this path that blossomed, and then now you're, you know, afforded the opportunity to look at sculpture again, probably with a little more freedom and, and maybe pursue some of that passion again. And, you know, that's, I think that's great. It's great fucking karma. If you ask me. 
If I come back in another life, I want to be able to do bigger things. I would love to have been a sculptor in another life, you know, so, yeah. you know that that was my main gig. But I mean, who would get off this ride? This is really fun. My my daily life is amazing, and I I love my job. So it's you know <laughs> clearly yeah. no regrets. But yeah, it's just wish more than twenty four hours in a day. You know. Yeah, absolutely. We we all have that. Uh, well, I think a lot of us have that drive to work and to succeed and to, you know, do great things. And, you know, n- no thing will really be good enough. You're always going to be pushing for something better. And I think that's um, something, you know, that that's uh, admirable in a person for sure. I, I see that in you. I definitely see that in your husband, Paul. I mean, just that strive and that work ethic is. Oh, my husband's a maniac. He's so prolific. I yeah. go to bed at a reasonable hour and he is up all night drawing pictures. That tattoo machine sound is something that's just, it's vibrating my head. It's constantly going. Is he, you know, he made those weird little like prison tattoo machines and just he's buzzing down there all night long. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's it's pretty cool, and I mean I I saw that from a, a really early point in my relationship with Paul, and you know I've seen that you know in in your <clears throat> excuse me you know in your in your work too you know I visited you at the shop and and at one time and we talked you know we talked about making Paul's tattoo machines and um uh you know so I saw you in that work environment while I was waiting around for you had a to have a break and it was. It was really cool to see. I mean, I, I saw a lot of what was uh, what drew me to Paul and you. So it was nice. You guys make oh, a pretty sweet. <laughs> you guys make a pretty fucking cool team for sure. I think of us as total complete polar opposites. Like his entire life is couched and cool. Everything he does is 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 so cool, and everything I do is so dorky and like nerdy. The two of us balance each other out really well. Yeah, yeah, I do see that. You know who I see that in too is Stella. Now that's a beautiful little uh, baby girl of yours, and uh, you know she's amazing. She's uh, always fitted out in the right stuff, Carrie. I have to say, <laughs> the leather jacket and the tutu, <laughs> the leather jacket, the tutu, the tights, the whole nines. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. She's a she's she's fun for sure. How how is that for you balancing work and and family. I mean, that's, I know that's something I've struggled with over the years. Uh, I hit a wall quite often. It's really, really hard, especially with travel. Cause you know, kids at this age, they don't understand why mommy goes away for days at a time. And you know, when I come home, it's always a little bit of a battle to get back on it. You know, I try the Skype, but I have a lot of time differences and you know, my days are really, really long and it's, it's, uh, we, we don't exactly go places that have great internet connections. I will be in a rock quarry doing explosions all day and then just running around with my laptop in some podunk town trying to find internet service so I can, you know, talk to her for five minutes before she goes to bed. And she doesn't quite understand why that's happening. And uh, someday I'll be able to explain it. But sure. she does know that every time mom leaves town, I will come home with some sort of guilty gift. So she is just inundated with crappy airport toys. Right. Well, I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> I guess it's some consolation, but no, I, it, she's, uh, she's definitely amazing and I, I'm sure it's difficult. Uh, you know, I, I've always been that way, you know, kind of have that, uh, workaholic kind of feel that I, I have that and, um, you know, it, it's a difficult balance cause you have to really make time, uh, but you also have to provide and it's, 
it's uh to find that to be able to find that i think is is really uh a nice thing i i'm getting close uh, i'm trying but uh you know what uh do you think how long do you think you'll kind of move in the direction that you're going now you 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 doing the tv show and i know you had your own show for a little while is right on the science network yeah um i was doing a head rush for a while which was uh, it, it was a show that was aimed at sort of that tween age where um, kids stop being interested in science and it was kind of show them new role models we had people like tony hawk showing how they use math when they build ramps you know just really trying to show that science is part of their everyday life you don't have to be an egghead to enjoy it you sure. know, to try to take it out of its stereotype but unfortunately the the demographic for the science channel is not the tween market so it didn't really take off for more than two seasons but i'm still constantly striving to uh work in that realm i, I really love the idea of trying to inspire a whole generation of of engineers, especially women and uh, minorities as well. Um, I, I work on a lot of projects for Science Channel because I just adore their entire crew. They're, they're the most passionate group of people. Science people just really love what they do. So I work on a show called Large and Dangerous Rocket Ships, which is a yearly competition for amateur rocketry that brings people in from all over the world. And uh, they turn anything you can imagine into a rocket um they I, i've seen coffins go up i've seen you know plastic pigs and robots and mannequins and just backyard engineers and really like guerrilla science crazy people doing some amazing stuff um i also uh, help host a show called pumpkin chunkin which is gonna be uh, premiering on science uh thanksgiving night which is another another wild sport i just it it amazes me that this stuff goes on all over america it is just so america to have an event where you know 100 thousand people show up uh to see a battlefield of air cannons trebuchets catapults torsion machines all chucking a pumpkin (laughs) over four thousand feet and we're not just talking about something that they throw together we're talking about you know thousands of dollars being in Invested in a catapult that that that's that's it's battle ready. I oh mean, my god, so right. that's fucking scary. crazy. Okay, Carrie. So amazing. Okay, so at what point do you go from like I work in? You know, this is a tattoo kind of related show, and I'm in a tattoo shop, and we see a lot of weird shit. You know, me and Paul worked in the Castro. We see a lot of weird shit, but I think I would lose my. M- mind if i saw one of those things you uh, so eloquently spoke about chucking pumpkins you know a thousand yards or whatever what it whatever it is uh, at what point are you callous to all that now or what what makes you go holy shit anymore <laughs> i don't know i the bar has been raised so far that a few things surprise me now you know i i I can look at an explosion right now and tell you if it was propane fueled or C4. Like I've, I've got this vast knowledge that is only applicable to my career currently. I don't know what I could do besides secret agent where I could use any of this stuff. I'm, I'm pretty much just. I'm not qualified to do anything but be a MythBuster. Yeah, um, you could just be. <laughs> you could find like the real. I read. I just recently read an article, Carrie, that there are people that run around and call themselves superheroes uh, and they run around at night 
and you know maybe you could join their little club and no no no, 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 no. <laughs> i've seen documentaries on those people they are they're serious I, I i don't i don't have that sort of drive yeah and i've i wore a unitard this halloween <laughs> and i just i don't care to do that ever again no it's a little it's a little cold and tight not not gonna happen yeah well you know geez man uh so how how uh, how long have you lived in San Francisco? Because you grew up in Los Gatos, and mm-hmm. you went. What year did you move to San Francisco? Uh, let's see, ninety six, about there, and uh, lived here since then. I, I went backpacking for about a year. Um, Where how how did that idea come up? You just decided one day that you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go backpacking for a year? Or how did you plan that out? Where, where did that inspiration I, come from? I didn't want to start life, and I had no idea what I was going to do for a living, and I had just, I, I was just lost. And I heard this girl saying, wouldn't it be cool if we went traveling around the world? And I said, let's do it. Let's do it. I'll go with you. Come on, let's do So the two of us just bought tickets. And this wasn't when the internet was really big. So, you know, this was letter writing pretty much at this point. It was a 98 where the internet was just starting. So, you know, you search internet, have contact with people once every week or so. And, you know, we just jumped on a plane and we landed in Rarotonga and we actually stayed with the guy that was tattooing quite interestingly, but it was with a dog tooth and a hammer. Dang. Uh, what That's did you they, think about that? Like when you do that there, how did you first, first, how did you hook up with that guy? When you get off the plane and you grab your shit, probably what, a couple backpacks and, and <laughs> hiking boots and you, uh, how do you hook up with this dude that you end up staling with? Who's, who's tattooing with a dog tooth? Uh, we just looked for a place to stay and, um, we found some other backpackers that were heading towards this big cement structure that the beds were just like cement blocks pretty much, but it was cheap. Um, you know, if you're going to stay someplace for two bucks a night, it's great. So, uh, we just stayed there and then you end up meeting crazy people and you, you really, you don't have anything to do. You're not watching TV. You're not really, you're just kind of experiencing the place you are at. And so one thing that they did was dog tooth tattooing and I just wanted to see it. It was, it was awesome. It was just a, a rhythmic little pounding of this crazy little hammer with a sharpened dog tooth at the end of it. And I, they were tattooing one of the backpackers that was staying at the, like the little house that we were staying at. <laughs> it was bizarre. I did, did, uh, did you see it when it was done? When when he got it done and he came back to the little hostel or w- whatever the ho- hotel was you're staying at, did you see the tattoo done after it had been? It poked? was a very slow process, and it was far from done by the oh, time shit. I got up and went off to my you know the the direction I was going. I I, I did not see it finished, but it it was uh, it looked a little more painful than uh, the machines I had seen tattooing me before that. Right. <laughs> it looked- like he he was he was a brave guy pretty intense well yeah. he, I, I wonder how that all fared for him because that sounds pretty crazy to me <laughs> getting tattooed in the middle of uh where where did you say you touched down that was Rarotonga um just some islands not so far from uh Fiji yeah and, and 
so you stayed there for a little while and then kind of moved on from, did you guys have a plan that, Hey, we were going to kind of go, you know, here and here and then kind of come back or did you just kind of open, it was kind of an open air ticket. Um, I had plane tickets that were loosely scheduled from one place to the next. Uh, if I was going from island to island, I had clear dates. Like I went from Rarotonga to the Fijian Islands um, and hitchhiked around Fiji for a little bit and then went off to uh, New Zealand, then Australia. Um, but if I was, I did a lot of traveling in Southeast Asia. Like I, I would fly into Thailand, but I was going to fly out of India. So I would just take trains until I got there. And I just, I just knew that I, I'd have to get there somehow. So we'd figure out trains, we'd figure out buses, we'd figure out rides and now, were you, just an adventure. Were you mostly traveling just with, uh, you and your friend or was it, uh, a more than, more than that? Was it more than that? Or was it just, uh, you alone? Um, it depended where I was. Uh, I started out with a friend from school and sure. then, um, we, went our separate ways in a lot of places and um i we ended up going off when we got to japan she had a friend to stay with and i went out solo and uh i really liked traveling alone i've always been somewhat of a shy person and i i really pushed myself and it was really really scary for me um trying to figure out everything on my own and and go to a place where i didn't speak the language um especially something so foreign as japanese yeah that's got to be pretty crazy I ended up in some wacky places reading signs wrong. Uh, you know, mountain towns at the end of the line, on trains that hit the end of the line. I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm getting off here. What? So, what is pro- uh, tell tell me about the craziest shit that you saw maybe in Japan or or in that in that time frame that you were traveling. What's one of the craziest things that happened to you that was just that kind of started that process of, you know, you not being phased by anything? Because it starts way back then, I think, you know, you kind of seek those things out and they start to happen. And I think uh, what was one of the craziest things that happened to you during that time? Well, Japan wasn't really that crazy. It was beautiful and interesting, but it wasn't anything wacky. If I wanted to really go someplace that was different for me is when I went to Nepal and India, mm-hmm. I saw things that um, really shook my little suburban soul. Right. <laughs> I had, I, the, the, the extreme poverty was really hard when I got off the plane because so many people were touching you all at once. And it was, it was just hard having that many hands and that many flies touching me all at once. And it, it took a while to get used to. But some of the sights I saw, like... Um, the things people would do for the tourists. There was one man that had his um, penis pierced, and he was picking up boulders with that piercing and stretching himself. It was holy shit. I, 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 you know, and he was charging people money to take a picture of this, and you know, for him, this was a, a yogic practice. This was, you know, he was supposed to be a holy man, but. I, you know, it just looked like a guy. It, it was like the Bushman in San Francisco scaring <laughs> people for a dollar. Like this was right. just another attraction. And I was horrified, but couldn't look away all at the same time. I, you know, just there's, there's, it's just white people taking pictures of Indians doing crazy things. And it was kind of hard to watch. That's wild. That's gotta be, it's gotta be intense. I mean, just having that 
um, you know, those first exposures to those things, you know, with, with, uh, with anything with travel, you know, you're, you're going out and you're always experiencing new things. And when that, when they're crazy, like, you know, really shocking at the time, you know, you think of them as shocking. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting how those, those, uh, moments kind of stick in your, stick in your head and, and always kind of resonate through, I think your life really, you know, I, well, just hard the things that you'd see people doing for tourists and doing for a buck because you know it's it's one thing when it's a beautiful part of culture, but that's not a lot of what you see when you go the regular backpacking routes. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. You know, I have uh, I've traveled a little bit, not uh, you know, through the United States and Canada and. Um, Jamaica, uh, you know, is kind of, kind of that little bullshit stuff. So I'd like to travel more um, because I think that you learn a lot about, uh, you know, yourself when you when you travel. Um, having those experiences to look back on. I always enjoyed, I came out to San Francisco um, in, shit, what was it? It was 99. It was the first time. You know, I was just, uh, I had been in California a little bit, but down in Santa Cruz, Um and spent a little bit of time in San Francisco, but I came out doing a guest spot at a tattoo shop uh, called Erno's Tattoo, and I remember just being kind of in awe of San Francisco as a city and the pace of life, and you know, you only find that stuff. I never would have found that if I hadn't, you know, gotten my ass on a plane and traveled from Minnesota out to California, you know, t- or taken that leap to contact somebody out in California to see if that would even be a possibility. So. Um, I bet you have a lot of good, good, uh, fond memories of travel. Oh, absolutely. I, I always said that that wouldn't be the last time I traveled like that, but, uh, then life gets you, you get a job, you get a family. I, I someday would love to go out again and see the world, but, uh, I'm pretty stationary currently. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? I, I, know, I know I've talked to Paul about that too. We always fantasize about, you know, taking, uh, you know, living. Uh, you know, me personally, I would just love to be in a little uh, studio apartment above, uh, you know, a cafe in Switzerland someday, just kicking it, tattooing, doing art, whatever, uh, with my wife and you know, uh, and kids when they come to visit. Um, what do you think? Uh, you think you'll be in San Francisco for a long time, or it depends how long the show goes. <laughs> yeah, right. Just, uh, I, I didn't know where I was going to be five years ago or five years from now i have no idea so i'm I'm, i pretty much just ride the wave while i have it real talk man yeah that's uh i hear that it's it's what you got to do you know i know that uh it's got you know it's got to feel pretty amazing to to have that uh how, how do you how do you balance that kind of celebrityism and i don't know if it's get this is getting weird you know too kind of personal or whatever but how do you like balance that celebrityism with kind of just real life you know what i'm saying like because you know as you get more popular but you kind of want to shelter your family from that uh i would imagine uh how do you balance that well, I think it's a lot harder for for my family to balance it than it is for me because mm-hmm. uh, you know personally I don't really 
feel that celebrity unless I'm going like airports, I get stopped a lot, that kind of thing. But, you know, I don't really, my, my husband doesn't care that I'm on TV. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, inside my four walls and my little studio, I'm, I'm pretty insulated, you know, I don't really have friends that treat me any differently. Yeah. And, um, when I started to get a little bit of fame on the show, it kind of shook free anybody who was a bit of a vampire. And so <laughs> right. now I know that I, the friends that I have now are the long time, true, yeah. awesome friends. And I don't really, if, if I want the celebrity, I could go out and get it, but it doesn't necessarily interfere with my life. Yeah, no, that's good. And I, 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 uh, it's, it's nice to hear, you know, it's nice to hear that you've been able to balance that and, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing, but, um, you have, uh, like I said, this is kind of tattoo related, but, uh, podcast. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit more tattoo or art with you and are you still doing sculpture and, uh, that would be my first question. And are you, uh, do you get tattooed? currently um i'm still doing sculpture i'm actually in my sculpture studio as we speak and i only have that one tattoo my husband's never even tattooed me i i would love to be able to relate this more tattooy for you but my closest yeah. link to the tattoo culture would be my husband yeah yeah I don't, absolutely he's uh he's I've, I've i have a lot of friends here and there that that do it and, or make machines or whatnot. But, uh, sure. I don't really get tattoos. I am a big wimp <laughs> and I just cried till I sing when Henry did that cover yeah. up piece on me. And I just, I'm not real good at sitting for tattoos. Hey, you know what? That's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm shitty at sitting for them too nowadays. God, they hurt, man. It's so <laughs> retarded. I don't even know why I do it sometimes. But then I look at it when it's done and I'm like, shit, that looks good. <laughs> so, but, uh, so what kind of sculpture stuff are you doing? You sent me a picture of, uh, uh, what looked like kind of a collage painting type. Oh yeah. Thing that too. goofy collage I sent you was actually, um, <laughs> something I, I was working on after I, I was working on a deprivation experiment. So Jeez. I just started collaging stuff I had. Yeah. Uh, the sculpture I mainly do, um, is, is somewhat inspired by the uh, Garden of Earthly Delights. I, um, you know, that painting, the the Cronius Bosch painting. That's it's very old and creepy. And I started doing little sculptures based on individual sins. Huh. Um, they're all sort of pain stricken and dark. I figure I spend most of my day in this really perky sort of happy world that. Every now and then, you just gotta bottle up a little tiny bit of darkness. Oh heck yeah, yeah for sure. You gotta balance shit. It's all yin and yang, you know. You gotta you gotta balance. That's with everything, you know. It's just like uh, I mean, it's t like what we talked about with uh, finding that balance with work and family or or whatever it is. You know, it's definitely it's definitely something that uh, you have to strive to continue to to find. But finding balance is is the key, I think. Well, I just tried making pretty, I tried making pretty things and I tried making cute things and I tried making happy things and they all turned out looking like creepy dolls. I don't know how to do not creepy. 
I have tried. You know, I will say that that one, the, uh, the couple of those sculptures that I did see uh, when I was when I was looking at uh, uh, your kind of early sculpture, or I don't know if it's early, but uh, the two thousand five, two thousand six stuff. That one that was had the dude's face, and it was man, that was pretty wild. I have to say, it's <laughs> you know, but you know what? That that's that's cool. I mean, there's so many different uh, you know ways to express what you know what i might think is cool is maybe different than what you might think is cool but uh you know it's uh it's cool to see the the real you know the just the expression so but yeah you're fucking dark carrie what's up i do a lot of portraits but they all are of generally people that have a lot of life in their face i'm obsessed with lots of wrinkles and and people that just look like they have their face so I've done a lot of portraits of homeless people or um, I've taken a lot of pictures when I was traveling um, you know and they 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 all ended up faces in my sculptures and for a while uh, I was watching a lot of TV late at night when I had a huge insomnia problem and I watched all sorts of things about serial killers and I did <laughs> a bunch of little serial killer portraits and um, I, I only made the heads and so what I did is I started attaching them to uh, scavenged baby dolls that talked <laughs> so I've got like a gacy head on a baby doll that says mama it's oh, totally weird and creepy and it won't like I, I don't really tell anybody about it generally or take them out of my studio because it was just a strange series at that point but okay. now Does we're that- lot sweeter like sin like gluttony and, and yeah. lust and <laughs> so, the happy things in life yeah so did those did those ones ever make you go oh shit what did i just think about what am i doing here no i enjoy it yeah it's, it's gotta it's, be you know what you know, when it's when it's coming out like that when it's uh you know when you're feeling inspired it definitely uh definitely doesn't doesn't uh doesn't feel bad it feels good so, well, that's good that you're able to, well, it's good you're able to, uh, still sculpt and do you paint, do you paint much or, or just, uh, mostly three dimensional? No, I'm an awful painter. I, I tried painting when I met Paul because he was such a beautiful painter and painted such beautiful things. And so he, you know, tried to show me what to do and everything I painted was just horrendous. And he, <laughs> was very nice about it but i could tell when he was looking at them that he was thinking to himself this is just bad <laughs> this is Shit. not your calling he it was is too, not he was just too nice to tell you huh well you know we were all young and in love so sure. he he at that point you know i sneezed rainbows <laughs> right he didn't want to crush the dreams yeah <laughs> for sure for sure so you guys uh how long before how long were you guys together before uh before you got Mythbusters? Um, let's see. I got Mythbusters in 2002. Um, July 6, 2002 was the first experiment I worked on. And the, we got together like around, I think, June 2000. So I guess we were together for two years. Yeah, that's cool. He, uh, I know Paul did Paul did Paul ever travel with you you guys I know you got married in what but like Bali or something No we got married in Costa Rica oh, but Costa Rica. Uh, He's not a big flyer <laughs> yeah. I have to uh stick a lot of drugs in him right. to get him on the airplane so I've heard I'm, some stories 
I'm working on him slowly. Uh, <laughs> right. He, I, he's, he's willing to go as long <laughs> as I medicate him. So sure. I'm, I'm slowly moving him from country to country. And <laughs> I, I, you know, once our kid's big enough to go some of the places I really want to go, I might move back into, uh, some of the more interesting countries. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, was there ever that point where you were traveling, where you were just like, holy shit, I want to be home. Like, I just want to be on the couch right now watching, you know, Seinfeld eating a burger and not out in this shit jungle or whatever, wherever you were. I got really sick in India and I don't know how long I passed out for because I was traveling kind of solo at that (laughs) point. And I, I, I just remember seeing some sort of critter walk past my face and being kind of dizzy and faint and <laughs> I had just thrown up and passed out on the floor and it was a tile floor and I, I just remember this sweet Israeli girl found me and she was trying to put electrolytes in me and I was just thinking to myself, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, maybe I drank some water somewhere that just wasn't right. But <laughs> I think everybody who travels in India sooner or later ends up floor bound sick for just a little bit (laughs) how long were you sick for oh i don't know time kind of melts at that point (laughs) i you know i was in some dangerous situations i traveled a lot of places i I would not travel now and i would not want my daughter to go i spent at least a month in egypt and i traveled with this uh machine gun ridden guard across egypt to get from one side to the other and you know stopped overnight in a camp where it was just craziness and people shooting guns in the air. And I just remember sitting with my, you know, this, this girl that I met along the way and the two of us were just laughing like, this is so freaking dangerous. We're going to (laughs) die. Like all you could do was just laugh because this is so crazy. But we were, you know, I was, I was 23 and I was immortal at that point. I, there, I, there's anything I could do with good bribe and, being young and stupid, I, I I don't know. I I would never let my daughter do it now. <laughs> so I don't yeah. even want to tell her these stories until she's thirty five. Right, <laughs> exactly. One Damn. of the places I stayed a year later, everyone had been marched out of there and shot. So I I that's a story I will never tell my mom. But I, I wouldn't recommend traveling any of the places that I've gone. <laughs> wow. So what <laughs> was the most? The do you think that? Uh, out there in that camp with that one other girl was one of the most dangerous points where you were traveling or what, what was there any other dangerous points where you're just like, Holy fuck. I don't know. There were a couple. I mean, I, I, I definitely got into a couple pickles that weren't really, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, uh, I was trekking in, in Nepal and I, I put my knee out of the socket and <sighs> I was, I was, um, at the, you know, I was traveling, at this point to the Annapurna base camp and I was really high up in the mountains. Um, and I had a stick that I, I carved as a crutch and just had to limp down the mountain because if you didn't make it down by the time your permit said people started, they would, you the government would freak out. So we start hiking down the mountain as fast as we can. And it's kind of sketchy. There's, there was tigers and robbers and we were in weird areas. And then all of a sudden a lightning storm hit and we were, you know, I was hobbling as fast as I could, but the girl in front of me was using a ski pole and a lightning bolt hit her. <laughs> she went over and 
So some of the other oh, travelers had to drag her indoors and she was just laying on the ground crying. And I was thinking, I am just stuck out here. There's there's no helicopter coming in to help this girl that just got struck by lightning. That bitch just got so hit by lightning right in front it, of you? She was like 10 feet of in front of me and I was scared to death and the lightning would just hit this tin roof all night long and just radiate this loud sound and, every, you know, the, I was just scared and I was putting myself in the trust of people I didn't know and I was with, you know, just, I, there's just definitely been a lot of situations like that where it was sketchy and, and that's what happens when you travel, I guess. <laughs> And God forbid you try to use the, you know, the sturdy ski pole to walk yourself down the mountain because you'll get zapped by fucking lightning. Yeah, I haven't thought about any of these stories for like a decade because it's been so long. It's, it's yeah. it, trying to call them is is like watching a movie in my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet it's it's uh, it's interesting. I was uh, my buddy, Adam uh, Roach, who's a tattooer. Um, I think he's out somewhere, somewhere in the Bay Area, somewhere or San Rafael's. I don't know. Anyways, he uh, he did a lot of traveling, and he would come back with stories. I spent some time talking with him, and you know, he had a story about where he was. He had a backpack. It was just like an army green, you know, over the shoulder, uh, you know, backpack, and he's walking along, and he's got a machete also, and he starts kind of. He's in the jungle somewhere. And all these monkeys start, you know, start kind of creeping up on him and, you know, kind of on the sides and he sees him watching them. And, and, um, then this one kind of walks out in the front of the, of the road right in front of him, maybe, you know, like 30 yards away and just screams at him Well, he rips out his machete, um, you know, half freaked out and, uh, and doesn't know what to do. He cuts his backpack off. Um, when he rips his machete out, so the backpack hits the ground and all he can do is just scream back at this monkey and he just yells at him. And then the monkey like walks back up into the, into the jungle and he picks up his fucked up backpack and has to like hoof it back, you know, past, but it was just, uh, just insane that he, you know, these stories of like traveling that, uh, a lot of people will never have those experiences, you know, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing that as we can recall them, you know, and like you said, it, it, over time, you lose it a little, you know, you know, you lose it a little bit and you life goes on and you don't think about, um, you know, moments in your past that uh, were pretty fucking fun. Your friend is lucky. Those things are just they chimpanzees and monkeys and they all those uh, give me a tiger any day. Those <sighs> monkeys and chimpanzees, they scare the crap out of me because tiger, you know, is dangerous chimpanzee it'll act like it's your friend and the next thing you know it's biting your ear off right. swear to god they scare the, they scare me to death i would rather be holding on to a python than a chimpanzee yeah it sounded it sounded like a pretty fucked up situation either way i mean you know what you really <laughs> you really fucked either way with you whether it's a tiger or a chimpanzee but uh yeah you might be right the chimpanzee was a clever motherfucker <laughs> they'll look all sweet and cuddly they'll trick you yeah, for sure. So, uh, so do you get to uh, with with the workshop that you have uh, with with MythBusters? Do you uh, are you able to kind of find that creative uh, you know 
outlet for sculpting in what you do with that job as well, uh, with the you know the facility and the shit that you guys have out there. Sure, I've also you know I'm I'm getting to work with some pretty heavy hitters and special effects, and they've taught yeah. me a lot. I've I've been able to gain a lot of knowledge by watching the people I work with. Um, they all worked at ILM and Lucas, and and they are amazing, talented people, and. Um, I've learned everything from technique to, uh, you know, just how to age something or, or how to get a broken screw out of, out of, out of a board. Like they're, it's just an amazing group of people. They're all, I would say I work with a bunch of geniuses. Yeah. That's, uh, it's, it's gotta be pretty amazing. So you, you know, it's, uh, at, at top of the, at the top of the food chain of your field, it, it's, it's pretty neat, you know, to see, that kind of success coming to really fucking cool people. And, um, you know, it's, it's uh, awesome that you get to experience a lot of that. I mean, blowing shit up. That's gotta be fun. Right. I wouldn't say I'm top of the food chain. I'm just trying my best. (laughs) (laughs) I I still have a lot to learn. (laughs) Well, we all have a lot to learn, but you know, you know, it's, uh, for sure. We can all, we can all learn, learn shit, but you know, blowing shit up along the way, has got to make, uh, you know, bring a smile to your face. It's not bad. It's good to have friends on the bomb squad. <laughs> right. You get to shoot some big fucking guns, too. I saw some pictures of some crazy military-style-looking weaponry that you were were shooting when I was tattooing with Paul in San Francisco. I'm very lucky to have uh, interesting experiences like that. I, I've, I've definitely gone from, I, I am a, you know, San Francisco vegetarian bleeding heart liberal, but I've grown an amazing appreciation for weaponry. I really like the 50 cal that they let me shoot into a moving car and <laughs> stop it by shooting through the engine block. And I got to cut down a tree with a Gatling gun and the great the the closest me and any most of the listeners out there are ever going to come to that is shooting some (laughs) bark off a fucking birch tree in the middle of nowhere with a you know a 40 caliber pistol because we got too drunk (laughs) you should not be drinking and playing with guns that's right damn it don't never that's one thing i have never done yeah well that's good you got to be safe man (laughs) <laughs> for sure we don't encourage that people whoever's listening don't be an asshole and go get drunk and play with guns so but uh so what is uh the holidays are coming i just i'm I'm just thinking of all these things that i would be interested to find out i mean like i said we've spent a little bit of time together and we've hung out at parties and and had good times uh as the holidays come up do you have a favorite holiday or is it past halloween i would think yeah, Halloween's my favorite. I go a little nuts. It's my yearly project now is getting the kid whatever costume she can possibly <laughs> imagine. I will make that happen. And whatever she wants me to be, I will make that happen. Last year, we were both uh, giant pink lemurs. I did a lot of sewing. My <laughs> house was covered in pink fur for weeks. This year, she was a mermaid, so lots of sequins. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I learned how to sew it. Right. And she wanted me to be uh, Firestar, which is uh, Spider-Man's college roommate. Oh, shit. I was like, oh, God, couldn't you pick some? Like, last year, I was a nice, warm, cuddly lemur. This year, you right. want me to wear a unitard? Oh, oh shit. man. But she's <laughs> my kid. I will do anything for her. Hell, yeah. Yeah, she's uh, she's a good one. 
So guess what Paul was this year? What was he? Charles uh, Bronson. Nope. Uh, last minute costume. He got the big pink lemur costume. I have to say it was the funniest thing in the world. Please tell me you have pictures. Did we were you going get- out with some other daddies and mommies and he's dressed big pink lemur with his pink lemur tail and he looks just like the most non-threatening thing you'd ever imagine <laughs> pushing around a stroller and then you know it starts to rain and we all go back to one of the the parents house and everybody starts to kind of you know take off their costume and all of a sudden this fully sleeved completely tattooed guy emerges from this pink lemur costume and everybody in the room looked at him as if a record just scratched to the hall <laughs> it just and one of the dads just spoke up and looked at him and said that's not what i was expecting <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy awesome. i love that he can be in both worlds you oh, know f- yeah hell yeah yeah he's uh he's a good dude for sure carrie he's a good dude uh it- it's amazing to have uh the friends you know in the like you guys uh who no matter what you know it's the kind of people that no matter what they're going to be in your life and they're going to be there, uh, for you. And they're the people that you call family, um, you know, through thick and thin. And that's what, you know, Paul has, uh, Paul and you and, and Stella have been to, to me and Natalie and my wife and family. So, uh, oh, it's you're getting all mushy on me. I know. Right. Shit. Uh, you're gonna cry? nah, fuck no. I'm just saying, you know, I'm just trying, trying to speak the truth, but, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be, uh, all crazy. I just, uh, I wanted to express that to you and, uh, I appreciate your friendship and I appreciate you doing this podcast, Carrie. It's, uh, it was pretty cool talking to you and, uh, just being able to sit down and, and, uh, get to know you better. Um, well, I hope you edit cause I'm sure people are tired of listening to me rattle on. Nah, fuck no. We ain't going to edit shit. We're going to let this shit run. <laughs> Uh, you know what? Hey, I was just thinking about it. I, uh, you said that some of the people that you worked with had been at Lucas Films and ILM and shit. I used to want to work for them. That's a whole nother story. But uh, when I, I just came across a dude's card and I need to try to call this guy or email him or whatever. But uh, I tattooed some dude that worked over at Lucas Films. And uh, I when I was at Picture Machine back in like fucking 90, uh, what was it? 99. Or 2000 and uh um i just came it was interesting to me that you said uh lucas films because i just came across that card when i was cleaning out my shit at my station trying to get organized which what's that i'm pretty sure that most of the people have cleared their desks by now (laughs) yeah right i know like uh i i was uh you know fuck it though i was gonna try to get in touch with them you know maybe uh when you get off air, tell me who it is, and I'm I might be able to find him for you. Right on, yeah. He he got me a sweatshirt. He was a nice dude. He got me a sweatshirt. Brought brought it to me when he got tattooed as a tip. So, uh, it was. Uh, wait, 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 wait. He gave you some of his free swag. Yeah. Oh, tip? totally. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible tip. They get those uh, for free. Right, but you know, whatever, man. It was uh, to me. I was a young kid. I didn't know shit. So, uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was fine. I was impressed. One thing I would like people to walk away from this podcast is that (laughs) tattooers live on tips and you're supposed to give them money. Fuck yeah. Goddamn right. That's the most important thing. (laughs) Give us money. Tip us. You know, Tippy is not a city in China. So, but uh, (laughs) have you never heard that one? Yeah, but I never heard it. Yeah. Butchered it just a little bit, but I've heard it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yep. There's a lot of that shit in uh, tattooing. It's funny. They have all these like weird little sayings and um, a lot of these little signs and, and uh, shit. I came across one that um, hangs in Gold Coast down in Monterey uh, that was a legitimate, I guess it's legitimate. You can't like urinate on the, uh, on the floor at a tattoo shop uh, in Hawaii. So, um, uh, right. I mean, who would fucking want to urinate on the floor in the tattoo shop, but it's, it's against the law. So you're not going to do it, but he had a sign that he had to have posted in his, in his, uh, shop <laughs> that said, don't urinate here. Uh, okay. That's sad that you have to post that. Right. So well, insane. that was back fucking a long time ago. I, you know, I think, uh, that was Steve Hendricks had that in his shop, probably in Hawaii sometime in the mid eighties. So, you know, maybe it was, it was a different fucking time back then. Wow. <laughs> Talk about blue book law. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, the one, uh, the one other question that I was curious about, uh, I heard on another podcast that I listened to, uh, they were talking about this and I figured I'd come right to the source. There are these things called RFIDs. Do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? What are those? Yeah. Uh, the radio frequency um, little chips that are you're talking about the one that I had implanted in me. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Talk about that one. Uh, did- I, I, I did it for a Mythbusters episode. Um, it was about you know RFID readers, and um, I, for the episode, I let them implant a chip in me that uh, correlates to a a a reader that had a 16 digit code, and um, I just left it in there for years and years because I couldn't be bothered to take it out because I going in was easy. It was just shot in with this giant needle and it was about the size of a piece of really big rice. And um, what I didn't realize is to get it out was going to have to be surgery because they had to cut me open and dig it out. It was a lot bigger than I expected. And I I must have had that thing in for five years before I had it taken out. But You're shitting me. It freaked out a lot of conspiracy theorists that I had it. So, um, okay, were, was, are you shitting me? You had it, that shit in you for five years? Yeah, somewhere around there. I, I will put my body on the line for this show and for science. Holy I don't know shit. why. It's just, I have a, one of my mantras, I guess, is why not? So did a, a good mantra to live by. Why not? You know, shit. Did uh, did that air? Like, did that episode air? Or I was the rumor was that there was no fuck that somebody told MythBusters not to air it. Is that true? Because it was the the, I guess the readers are really really hard to hack or easy to hack. That was some conspiracy theorist stuff that that didn't happen. The the episode did air. Um, It it uh, I I at the time was on. And 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 um, it's it's a really weird episode, but it was on a long time ago. You could probably YouTube it. Well, bam, the rumor has been broken right here. So yeah. on the Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast, <laughs> shit, that's uh, that's interesting. So I heard those things were super easy to to hack. That's why that shit's not like. That's why we don't have that. Why you can't just go and swipe your arm wrist underneath the thing at Starbucks and get your latte. I just don't think that they have the overall technology to pull it off quite yet. It's it's interesting technology because if you think of people who are like Alzheimer's uh, Alzheimer's patients, uh, one of the things that they often do is take off all of their clothes and and leave where they they are. So if you were able to scan someone to you know uh, 
if it was an inactive chip, scan them and find out what their medical condition it would it would be connected to their files. That would be a good thing. If it was an active chip, it could actually close the doors as they were trying to run out, so that it would save them. But as you can, you know, guess, uh, a lot of people would be very freaked out by the negative consequences of having that sort of technology as well. Um, <laughs> it's a very big brother, but yeah, at the same time, sure. it, it could be good in some instances. Uh, I, yeah. I don't think they've got it figured out quite yet, and. Honestly, I don't think there's anything that can't be hacked into. Yeah. So. Well, I think that, you know, the audio broke up a little bit while you were explaining it. So I think that might be the government fucking uh, listening. So <laughs> maybe you're right. Right. Shit. Might be. Well, damn, Carrie, this was uh, this was super fun and I appreciate it. And uh, give uh, my love to Paul and Stella. And I, uh, you know. Anytime, I know I'm not the biggest platform, but anytime you want to promote anything or come on or you got an art show or any project going on, please let me know. You come on and we'll uh, promote it for you. Yeah. Good luck with your podcasting career. I think this is a great medium. Thank you very much, Carrie. You have a great night. (laughs) Bye, Joe. Bye. Well, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, That was um, uh, a fun conversation. Uh, It was fun to, again, uh, have just a a discussion with a friend and get to know them better and and, uh, learn some new shit and have some uh, funny laughs uh, along the way. So um, hopefully you enjoyed it. And um, if you did, uh, come and get tattooed. Uh, also you can, uh, support by buying the poster, uh, one of 25, 16 by 20 high quality print of, uh, this is a gun poster that I am, uh, I have available. Uh, just got a PayPal 80 bucks. Remember now, uh, that 10% of that will be going to the tattoo uh, museum in Amsterdam. So I'm trying to give back and, and, uh, pay it forward a little bit. Uh, so, um, you can support that way and just, uh, you know, keep telling your friends about the podcast. I want it to be positive and, uh, just a way that we can, uh, kind of preserve, um, some stories and some history. And, uh, you know, uh, I am going to follow this podcast up with, uh, a real great, uh, a, a good friend of mine and a, an amazing tattooer, Jason Anderson. And so, you know, I, I do have, uh, guests who aren't tattooers, but I hope it inspires you to to go check out new things and and uh, new new different arts uh, that you may not be familiar with. So, um, and then I'm gonna bang uh, out some fucking good tattooers on here as well. You know, uh, you're gonna be able to uh, come and listen to some cool ass fucking stories uh, from from uh, tattoo shops around around the world. So, uh, thanks for listening. Come and support uh, if you would uh, do that. I would be much appreciated. Uh, And thank you again for listening. Enjoy this music. Des nuits d'amour à plus finir, un grand bonheur qui prend sa place, des ennuis, des chagrins s'effacent, heureux, heureux, sans mourir. Quand 
Il me prend dans ses bras Il me parle tout bas Je vois la vie en rose Il me dit des mots d'amour Des mots de tous les jours Et ça me fait quelque chose Il est entré dans mon cœur Une part de bonheur je connais la cause C'est toi pour moi, moi pour toi dans la vie Tu me l'as dit, pas juré pour la vie Dès que je t'aperçois Alors je sens dans moi shit that was gangster as fuck all right anyways og joe swanson on twitter go follow me please uh if you would and tell me that you heard about me because i did a podcast with carrie byron and tweet her too go follow her if you don't already you should at carrie byron k-a-r-i-b-y-r-o-n thanks everybody have a good day